Alright, hi everyone, and welcome back to The Legend of Portalcast, a podcast dedicated to Avatar The Last Airbender, The Legend of Korra, and all things Avatar. I am Colin, your main host. Guys, we're back for uh, part two of part one. Uh, I feel like this is going to become one of those just like uh, very silly extending titles like Airplane or something like that, <laughs> the longer this goes on. <laughs> Uh, well guys uh tonight um susan uh wasn't unable to join us but i am joined tonight uh by first and foremost kevin welcome back hi colin and daniel hello hello all right um so first things first i as like before we were getting this uh call even going i when i found out that daniel could join us for this i am so giddy um, because in case you haven't listened to uh, some of the other earlier episodes of our review of book two so far, this is Daniel's first foray into Cora uh, book two and beyond. Um, so yep. this is just like so exciting, new perspectives. Absolutely love it. So guys, I'm going to do a, just a quick little recap of where we left off. Um, if you haven't listened to uh, part one of part one, I highly recommend it, or else it's going to seem incredibly disjointed. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, last last week, uh, Susan and I uh, kind of dove into the beginning of beginnings. Like I said, there's going to be a lot of this going on, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Buckle up. Yes. Uh, so the, uh, we kind of uh, first, uh, of course, found out Cora, uh, she lost her memory. Uh, a firebending spirit, uh, spirit sage, uh, basically fire sage, diagnosed uh, that she needed to uh, heal in the uh, kind of healing waters of this kind of spiritual water, and thus this triggered a whole flashback to the very first Avatar, Avatar One, or at least the story of him. So we're kind of like getting a uh, origin story of the ancient days of the avatar world um so uh as we kind of were looking into this we see that juan is this kind of aladdin roguish type character uh he is stealing food uh from uh this basically kind of the higher power known as the choose and uh he is always wanting we kind of get a sense of who he is as a person always looking out for others um, and not settling for the power structure that is clearly dominating his life and uh, forcing him to live in squalor. Uh, we see that uh, he gains power of firebending from the lion turtle, which lo and behold, this is where the city is. Uh, human colonies living on lion turtles. Wow. Uh, guys, we're, we were just breaking so many grounds of all these new things in the avatar world um and style yes and as uh he goes grabs the fire he decides to use it for a little mini revolution to get some food but while his friends are escaping he takes the fall gets banished to the spirit wilds and thus he comes across an oasis with uh, a very uh crotchety spirit uh who doesn't want him uh to uh pass the threshold and tells him to go back and live with other humans on different lion turtles. That's kind of a little quick recap of what we covered last time. What I want to do first before we go any farther is I want to give uh, Kevin and Daniel a chance to kind of uh, give some thoughts on uh, this, like uh, what we discussed so far, uh, the beginning of beginnings part one. Um, so first I want to start off with you, Kevin. Uh, I, obviously we were kind of watching Cora back in the day and I, I don't know, uh, when the last time it was that you, uh, saw these episodes and what it was like for you to kind of revisit these and re-examine them after we've been really diving into the content more recently. Uh, I was just trying to think the same thing. I mean, geez, it's probably been, oh, I don't know, 10 years. I'm trying to actually think how long it's been since Cora came out. Cause it, it was, I guess it was probably around eight years since I saw this. Um, wow. Yeah, I know. I was thinking about it. Like I had, I watched Korra through from season two on in one sitting or actually, <laughs> like one at a time. So like, I was just like, all right, I'm just going to keep going. So I never rewatched it until now. Um, oh, wow. 
but I do remember really liking, I think Susan pointed out, and you guys talked about in the last episode, the artistic style was my favorite of this. Like, I, I really enjoyed, if nothing else, that they were like, you know what, let's screw around a little bit and play around with uh, art style. I hadn't realized the studio changeover, which was interesting. That was a cool tidbit. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, I, I, uh, if anyone knows me on the show, I love the history episodes. All the old, I'm like, I agree <laughs> with you, Colin. I want nothing more to them to just, like, make series of old avatars just please good god i would i would soak it up um so i always enjoy being able to like see some of the like the backgroundy episodes so it's nice to get back into this and i've just been wanting to say this this whole time i like avatar one's fight against the chosen ones uh to <laughs> and with that i'm out oh boy <laughs> oh that was beautiful thank you kevin Oh, man. All right. So kind of on the other end of the spectrum here uh, in terms of, you know, it's been a while since Kevin has seen them. Daniel, I I really want to dive into kind of where you're like how you responded to this, because obviously this is such a we talked about it last week, a whiplash in terms Mm -hmm. of just like where everything was going with the season. But just in terms of like all of the answers, everything that it's starting to bring up, um, especially, you know, just this world building. Uh, in case you guys haven't listened to before uh, and don't know, Daniel and I, uh, we grew up in the same town and uh, we used to write fantasy stories all the time, used to swap them back and forth. <laughs> and I know that like just that world building was always something that we both loved about, especially a lot of the fantasy stories that we always really enjoyed. So especially from that end and kind of what you really mm-hmm. saw in this and your reaction overall. Um, yeah. Like first off, it's cool that they f- are like finally presenting the definitive answer of like, where did the avatar come from? Mm. Um, Cause like, everything that we've been told up until now is like, you know, is when the old avatar dies, the new one's born and they have the power to control all four elements and nobody else in the world has this unique gift that they have until they die. And then the next one gets it. So it's, I was like, well, it came first, the chicken or the hen. So now <laughs> we know the answer to that. And we have seen where it comes from the, from the, you know, the lion turtles bestowing the gift of, bending onto their humans um so that that aspect of it was really cool for me but yeah just the whole like establishing the lore and the background for everything that we've seen up until now uh so vibrantly and i i i do think the uh like the art choice like y'all were talking about really helped with that because it's it's showing that like this is you know, not a different world per se, but it totally a hundred percent is. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of a, a nice visual cue to say like this is not what you're used to. There's different things happening here. Um mm. and I I think the coolest thing thematically for me is that uh you know, if at first when Juan hatches his plan, you know, he steals the power from his lion turtle Mm. at like completely underhanded villainous move (laughs) but trying to you know save his friends and get provide food for the people that don't have any and kind of a very wrong thing for the right reasons type deal but uh but then the lion turtle kind of catches on to what he's doing i think and he realizes that like you know, the world's not all roses and rainbows. And so he lets him keep it when they exile him. So I thought mm-hmm. that was kind of cool. Cause we've always looked at the avatar as like this, you know, bastion of justice and equality and heroism in the world. But to see that it started from a sneaky little street thief that stole from the most sacred of sources is was really an interesting uh angle for that i enjoyed it a lot it definitely it definitely holds true to a lot of i feel like uh um it it, it, especially kind of like that old world myth 
uh, the idea of just like the human tricking the god and like mm-hmm. you know finding like a way to be able to circumvent uh, kind of these restrictions and rules, but it like is this trickery that leads to profound and lasting change. Yeah, um, it mm. it almost actually reminded me of um, oh who was it from Greek mythology Prometheus I think that stole the fire from the gods and no i i love uh, like yeah prometheus i'm like this is such a cool way to think about this Uh, until you guys brought this up i'm like oh yeah it is literally bringing fire down to help (laughs) other humans Mm -hmm. yeah and you know like prometheus he was punished and exiled and not chained to a rock to be eaten by ravens every day but (laughs) you know (laughs) similar concepts yeah 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 but it's interesting that, you know, uh, and I think it is, again, this testament to, uh, you know, Mike and Brian pulling from sources all over. Um, because, mm-hmm. again, this is like, you know, pulling from Greek mythology, but th- so much of the style and so many of the other elements are rooted in, you know, East Asian. We found, of course, yeah. we discussed last week how the idea of the world turtle is uh, something that was not only in uh, like Chinese mythology, but also um native american uh Mm -hmm. mythology as well so i mean there's like so many different elements that they're bringing in uh as inspiration for these and again it's like this it adds this mythic scale uh to the story that they're trying to tell here Mm. but they're all blending it so beautifully honestly that it's very much its own unique thing like you can't you can't really like point to one thing and say oh well this is copied from here like it, it all meshes together and builds off of itself in this world that they've created so that it's all really wonderfully unique and complete. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, that was that was a good little uh, dive in. I appreciate you guys uh, sharing your thoughts on what we kind of uh, discussed last time. And uh, um, that, my goodness, um, we're, we're, we're starting off from a really fun place uh, kind of continuing the discussion this week. Um, and, and that is, of course, where we last left Juan. Uh, he tried to get into uh, the spirit oasis uh, as <laughs> Bushi, the Bush spirit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Tries uh, to get past it, Tino from the Weekenders. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, in a scene, as we discussed last week, very, very similar to uh, how Miyazaki's spirited away. Um, we just mm-hmm. did a, uh, a post comparison on Instagram that was kind of sharing the frame by frame of uh, Juan as the as Bushy and then uh, Chihiro holding her breath crossing the bridge. Yeah, that is exactly <laughs> what I was thinking about while I was watching it because I hadn't listened to y'all's uh, episode from last week, unfortunately. But while I was watching that scene, I was like, "Hey, look, <laughs> it's the bathhouse, <laughs> and they smelled out the human. Look at there." <laughs> Oh my goodness! Yeah, it, it, it's it's really incredible, and I mean, we, we see that even in just some of the like the designs, and it, you know, as as we'll kind of see as we get dive into more of the Spirit Oasis, more, you know, there there like it, there's just straight up characters that are just pure homages. There is like there is a carrot spirit who yeah. is like a total homage to the radish spirit from spirited away has like the same style of eyes, like this big hulking figure, very, like, very, just like, I don't know, like just soft, uh, like kind eyes and everything. Yep. And, oh my God, <laughs> I liked him. Ah, <laughs> uh, so good. Um, so as one is kicked out of the spirit oasis again, uh, the spirit tells him like, why don't you go and live with, these other human colonies after which Juan is like, I'm sorry, what (laughs) other human colonies? My whole life has been me on the bottom rung of society and the choose as the top rung. Like you're telling me there are other, there are other humans. There's more. (laughs) Um, So Juan, uh, as he's kicked out is again, back in the spirit wilds. Um, and this time he comes across a trapped creature stuck in a net. At first, he hungrily looks on uh, because as we kind of saw him in the spirit oasis, he is beaten up. He is hungry. He is like just 
at his lowest point right now. Um, but as he approaches hungrily, he sees the fear in this creature's eyes. And you see like a moment that is this like, oh, okay, like <laughs> I'm hungry, but like this creature is just like terrified. I can't do this again. It is showing an example of who Juan is as a character that even like at a, he has a base instinct of hunger that is like taking over his body that his own willpower and care for animals, you know, it, it overpowers that like it, it doesn't get in the way and he doesn't kind of succumb to these base instincts in this moment. So he decides uh, to save it, but it turns out, it was the prey of the hunt that he had joined earlier. Um, as we see this like familiar soldier in the armor and the others kind of confront him, Juan confronts them, tells them, you know, look, you can't take this creature, you know, this like he, and decides to stick up for it. And then we get this wonderful sequence where Juan leads uh, you know, runs from them on this kind of wild goose chase <laughs> as he's running through the spirit wilds using the very things that nearly killed him before against them. You know, he's like leading them into like this grass pit, which like, okay, I got to say it's, it, it's simultaneously funny and terrifying because right. these guys are clearly dying from like at this moment. Oh, yes. <laughs> You get the one guy just like he gets like wrapped up in the vines and like pulled underneath. It's just like he's not coming back. You get the <laughs> other guy who's like before the, like the fruit he throws back at them the quote unquote fruit and then it turns into bugs. Like dude gets like just like Lift Willy Wonka glass <laughs> elevator off into the distance. <laughs> this is a really bad acid trip. Oh god. <laughs> oh my goodness. And, you know, he's using these elements against him. Again, it's like showing this uh, um, real resourcefulness that Juan has. And we'll see this again and again throughout these two episodes uh, that he really is someone who can, like, think on the fly and really be able to uh, adapt quickly. Um, but eventually they catch up to him. He's cornered and he looks like he's not going to get out of it. But then. The spirit from the Oasis shows up um, and proceeds to possess <laughs> one of the men's body, uh, transforms it, and spooks the other human. So we get an active look as to, uh, again, when we first met Juan and the people he was living with, there was an old man who had like partial bark skin and like you know, woody appendages. Now this dude has uh, features very similar to this, to this spirit mm -hmm. and like parts of his body are covered in fur and like he's taking on these animalistic features and we see actively what happens. It's this incredibly like visceral experience. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh. So I, I, I kind of want to get, um, you know, before we kind of proceed on to the next section, I don't know, your, your thought on, like, again, this idea of Juan's, uh, you know, character being further established as this uh, someone looking after animals, uh, using his in the things that tried to kill him to save him, and this spirit coming in and understanding how this possession works. And the spirit deciding to save him because... He saw Juan's kindness towards the cat deer uh, and decided to help him. I'll just jump in quick. I, I think it was interesting seeing how much the spirits and humans had this immense distrust and hatred of one another. Like to be like, the humans are deathly afraid of the spirits and the spirits are like, well, F those guys. That's <laughs> So to, like you said, like to have Juan kind of have that... Like Juan never seemed to have that like that heart towards the spirits, but now we're seeing like just a kind of heart generally towards everything. Uh, whereas the other humans come in and like, oh well, we have to kill all these spirits. The spirits promptly destroy them, um, and then to have Ai come over and be like, oh, Juan's helping. All right, I'm gonna make this dude look crazy, <laughs> which is 
Which is just like, that dude's just half eye-eye the rest of his life. Like, that's it. <laughs> yeah. That's that's some power move. Um, but uh, it, it's interesting, like you said, like in a in a quick stroke, we see kind of what Juan's heart is like, which plays a bigger role later in the episode. And also the change of eye to be like, okay, well, I guess humans aren't all evil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That It's an interesting point that I was going to mention. Up until now... Uh, like all of Juan's life has been very black and white, like us against them, you know, kill or be killed type deal. But now that he's kind of removed from that human society and even to the spirits is, is the same. Like Kevin was talking about, like they're all very, you know, humans are bad. Spirits are good. Humans all think humans are good. Spirits are bad period. End of story. Mm. But Juan's kind of he's learning that there's shades of gray you know this the the deer cat didn't do anything and he understood that he was about to die and he was terrified of it even though he's just an animal but you know so he changed his perception of the world in that moment I think and that's a really impressive uh, feat for anyone to pull let alone someone who's had it as rough as Juan has for all of his life um, and then yeah changing the dude into half spirit like it's it's odd to me the the creative choices that they took because that sort of thing you could go so overboard with it and like turn <laughs> it into like you were saying this like visceral like body horror type experience but you know avatar being avatar it was still fairly uh impactful i think but they didn't like dwell on it and like oh this dude's body is twisting and deforming and mutating for the rest of his life and they just kind of leave that up in the air and and move on but we're not killing a dude it's pretty dark yeah yeah well you start thinking about it more (laughs) but then but then it's it's balanced with this really nice moment of comedy it's just like i don't know what he's complaining he looks he's like so much more handsome now or like (laughs) he looks so much better now (laughs) this this whole sequence though kind of reminded me of the uh the princess bride when wesley and buttercup are walking through i don't remember the name of it the The fire swamp yeah, the fire swamp. Yes. Like, well, we could live quite happily here. There's there's the, the lightning sand or the viney grass, which you were clever enough to figure out what it looks like. The fire traps or the beetle fruits, which uh, in the future we could avoid those too. <laughs> what about the RUSs? Yeah, those are the spirits. You've got to watch out for those. <laughs> They're still out there. Uh, I don't believe they exist. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Uh, yeah, that's that's a great comparison. I, I didn't even think about that. That's amazing. <laughs> so uh, again, we get the spirit uh, has kind of gone out in a limb, helped Juan, and the the spirit brings Juan back to the oasis to heal him. And when he lays Juan down in the waters, we see a very familiar kind of cause and effect. Lays down in the water. The water glows, and Juan says, "What's with this water?" And Spirit says, "It has uh, magical healing properties." Word for word, from what we hear again, Katara learning about the Spirit Oasis in the Northern Water Tribe, all the way back to the first season of Avatar. Um, so again. It's this question, like, is it the same? Probably not, but, like, it's the same. It's, as Susan and I were discussing last week. Yeah, it's, like, it's something that is, it is as old as time. Like, it's some things just don't change, and this is one of those things. Um, These bastions of spiritual energy. Um, So, again, we get this uh, moment where he is able to heal him. and, And Juan is like, look. I think I'm done with humans. <laughs> like, <laughs> can I please live with you guys? <laughs> um, and uh, decides he wants to live amongst the spirits for a while. And we get this. Uh, it, it's this is just amazing writing and visual storytelling. I love this moment because we get a kind of narrative, uh, like voiceover from the leader of the hunt talking about how. Uh, he 
returns to the city and is telling people about Juan living out in the wild, living with the spirits. And he is saying how, uh, you know, he, he's protecting the spirits now. He's using his fire in a way I've never seen before because we get all of this blended together with Juan learning to do these different things, learning from the spirits. And we get this beautiful sequence as he learns the dragon dance from a white dragon and I giggled a little bit at that part not gonna <laughs> lie ah <laughs> uh, just it, it directly from the firebending masters and, and suddenly we get the connecting thread because as we talked about last time originally we learned humans learned bending from the original benders they learned you know from the dragons from the sky bison from tween law and from uh the badger moles and it's just like okay they didn't get the power from them, but they mm. learned the from them. Techniques. Mm-hmm. And as we see, as Juan was first using the firebending, it was like explosive and erratic and just like all over the place. And now there's this fluid grace to him using it. Ugh. I actually, I want to touch on that for a second. Because mm-hmm. y'all know me. I'm a huge nerd about the bending, the mechanics, the techniques, every nuance of the bending. I love it. When they show the image of Juan standing on the bridge blocking the soldiers from entering mm-hmm. the forest, um, the techniques that he uses there are way, way closer to what we see with quote unquote modern uh, water bending. Mm. And even the way that he moves the fire itself is much more akin to the flow of water than anything that we'd seen up until then with uh, fire. And I even went back and I checked when um, uh, Katara's fighting against Hama, the puppet master, one of my other favorite episodes ever. Um, <laughs> they, She uses that exact same technique that Juan uses. When the soldiers blast the huge thing of fire at him, he catches it and spins it around behind him and throws it back. Is exactly almost frame for frame the same thing that Katara does with Hama in Whoa. her waterbending. When when wow. they decide that blood bending is not going to work on each other, and they start using water, it's the exact eye. same technique there. I I like I watched that and it felt fam- uh, familiar, but I couldn't quite pin it. That is amazing. I'm so glad you were able to spot that connection. That is so cool. Ah! Yeah. And like just the fact that from back then, like I I get the feeling that the bending was in everyone else it was raw and and like you said like explosions and uncontrolled bursts of energy but after one has learned how to channel everything with the dragon and and learns the dragon dance he's developed this technique that then later on kind of disseminates into the four different unique styles of bending and, and you can see that, like, even when he's just using fire, he uses different techniques from water bending, from uh, earth bending. And it's it's really cool to see how that was all, like, mashed into one thing and the different effects that it had because he was, you know, only channeling the power of fire, but using all these different techniques that he was taught. It was really cool. Yeah, it's... it's it- you know, it goes back to Iroh's lesson to Zuko in Bitter Work. Um, the idea that there is this connection between all of the elements and that it was from his study of the waterbenders that he was able to learn and develop the redirect lightning technique. Again, it's this idea that there is like it, it is there. It, it's going hand in hand with the guru episode where Guru Patik is talking about the greatest illusion is the illusion of separation. Uh, that there is like a separation of the elements of anything like that. It's like, no, there, there, it is all blended together. And I think mm-hmm. that that is such a, a beautiful and perfect example of that too, that even from the very beginning of bending, that that is like at its core, this idea that it is the technique is something that can kind of go from it's not you know it's not beholden to one specific element and mm. 
that that's it's incredible that you were able to point that. I'm very excited to do a little bit of a frame by frame uh, kind of post and comparison with that because that's going to be very very cool to see. Ah, uh, um, so uh, of course when we see this and this hunter is telling everyone about it, time passes. Juan gets older, and so too do the people on the lion turtle. And we see one of Juan's, uh, his like friends that he lived with, they decide that they too could live in the wild with the power of fire and leave the lion turtle city behind. And this is, uh, you think about it in terms of a like historical sociological moment in history, this is absolutely profound because this is leading a mass scale exodus from these points of civilization expanding out into the greater world. And I, I want to kind of get your pulse on that, Kevin, especially because you're always, always giving us a uh, wonderful kind of like, dive-ins with history and everything but kind of keeping that in mind of this moment of the people of the lion turtle leaving or at least like a good chunk of them leaving to kind of start uh this new society on their own and any kind of similarities or things that resonate with you when you saw that i'm so happy you did that i was actually gonna say for the audience at home none of this was written and he's i'm like oh i really hope i get to have a historical parallel to this (laughs) um well, it's such a, 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 I'm trying to think of the word that I've heard, like gestalt switch, where it's like, they were, it was such a huge thing for them to be like, you know what? Yeah, this isn't great. This, things could be better. And Juan's out there and he seems to be doing cool. Mm. Why can't we? It's like, obviously things with Chu were not all that great. So why should they stay there? And if they could use fire instead of just every time they go for a hunt and they just keep using it, what else can happen? You know, it's like one of those things where you never know. I mean, for all we know, this was, it's kind of interesting. Like Avatar Last Airbender is essentially us just being dropped in somewhere in the timeline of the universe post Avatar 1. Mm. So getting to see this origin story is really cool because we don't know how long they were doing that for. It could have been humans were on a lion turtle for, you know, at this point, I mean, what, we're probably thousands of years before Avatar Aang mm-hmm. as a guess. So you have to figure they had probably been doing this for thousands of years too. Assumedly, no one else had done what Juan had done, and it you know, and no one really knows what's possible until someone else does it. They all assumed, well, if you go out there, you die, or you yep. become half I I, or <laughs> you know. Um, but so for me, I thought it was cool because of like it is like one of those, even though it was a very short part of this episode, it is a huge thing. It's like yeah, Juan going and doing all the all the things he did was a huge thing for eventually having the Avatar. But to eventually have the nations, you needed people to do what they're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and, you know, if you look at uh, the kind of development of uh, different like nations and culture, look at our own history. I mean, the cradle of society began in, you know, a, you know, in, in Africa and ancient Mesopotamia and how everything began to branch out from there. So much of the way that the, you know, Americas were settled was, you know, crossing the land bridge across from Russia, modern day Russia to Alaska and all of that. <laughs> yeah. You're hitting, I, I actually just finished guns, germs and steel, which if no one has read that, that is fantastic. I recommend that and sapiens. If you read those two, you go, huh? Well, <laughs> that explained a lot. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's it's this idea that, you know, there is this uh, innate um, kind of just desire to explore, I think, in humanity. And that even though we're dealing with a fantasy world, it's still a uh, core principle that, you know, it, despite that, Humanity is going to want to explore. They're going to want to expand. They're going to want to kind of spread their reach, um, you know, for better or for worse. Uh, anyone know. who's a fan of the Civilization games knows exactly what's up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Look, just take Papua New Guinea. Hold that as a barrier. You're going to be good if you hang out in uh, Australia. That was at least always my strategy. <laughs> have that buffer there. I have I have uh, won and hold the line at Papua New Guinea too many times in 
in in civilization or in risk. I guess I'm thinking yeah. more of risk, but yeah, same with civilization as well. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, so the before we kind of go on to the next uh, the next section. Uh, the last thing I wanted to kind of touch on and uh, kind of talk with you about, Daniel, is, again, we mentioned already, uh, you know, this idea of uh, the firebending masters kind of learning or kind of sharing their knowledge uh, from that. But then also the idea of the, the role of the spirits um, and them taking one in and kind of already seeing this connection between the two of them. And I, I just kind of any final thoughts and the way that they're kind of establishing this relationship from the beginning and what you kind of uh, took from that. Um, well, I think, I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier about, you know, the shades of gray. Um, and even like the first time that he actually fully encounters them when he tries to get into the Oasis and like he gets kicked out, uh, like none of the spirits are, uh, at that point, I think brave enough or um, trusting enough of him to like actually go confront the Oasis spirit dude. I don't, uh, does he have a name? I don't think he so. does. Uh, hold familiar. on, we we don't we don't learn it until. Uh, but let me. I think let the me credits go ahead. had it as I I. Is it I I? Yeah yeah yeah. Hold yeah, because I I of course as soon as I watched this episode, I'm like, that's Tino from the Weekenders, and I had to go figure it out. And then I'm like, okay, yes, it is indeed Tino from the Weekenders, and apparently his name is I I. All right. Yep. Well, Tino then. Um, <laughs> he kind of seems to me to be the you know big man in charge of this like region, I guess, of of the spirits, and so none of them are willing to actually step up and go against him and be like, eh, you know, maybe we could let him in for five minutes just to get a drink of water, you know. But, like, when he says, you know, I'm going to go find a, another lion turtle, they're all like, all right, good luck. You know, not, <laughs> I hope you get Hope eaten. you find your and, dad. <laughs> yeah, like, they're, they're very supportive, the and they they do their best to kind of encourage him and wish him well. Um, and so I think that kind of blends and morphs into them later on, you know, actually trusting him and, and understanding that he's a good human and he doesn't mean them any harm. And so they kind of take him into the fold as a, not a representative per se, but you know, a, an a bridge, idea if of, you will. of what they could be. <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to say, you know, an avatar of humanity, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it, you talk about like the symbolism, the visual symbolism that we see of that moment of one standing between the humans and the spirits on the bridge? standing <laughs> on a bridge. And it's just yep. like, it doesn't get any more representative than that, than the avatar being this bridge between the humans and the spirits. And it just, again, this idea that it like goes all the way back to this time. So then as we proceed in this episode, Oh my God, this moment of this montage of Juan and Hola, his animal companion, traveling the land. This just sequence of gorgeous backdrops accompanied by sweeping music. I mean, it is just like, I could just watch this uh, until the end of time. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's uh, it's also, again, we talk about nods to inspiration. This moment is also a direct nod to one of Hal Miyazaki's other greatest works as well, Princess Mononoke. The yeah, moment... I was just about to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, the moment when... Um, oh, my God. Why am I blanking on his name? Uh, Ashitaka. Ashitaka, thank you. The moment that Ashitaka... I remembered his animals, the Yakul, <laughs> but right. I was like, what is his name? Uh, so the moment when uh, Ashitaka and Yakul leave their village after he is cursed uh, by the kind of like the boar uh, kind of uh, demon spirit at this point, he has to go find a way to heal. And he also has to leave the village. This moment where he is traveling the land with Yakul as he is going across in these beautiful, just he's seeing the world, uh, the outside world for the first time. It, It is just this beautiful example again of Mike and Brian tapping into one of their biggest 
uh, inspirations. And God, it just gives the chance for the background artists, the animators, and the musicians to just go absolutely ham. I mean, it is just like, it is just so good on so many levels. Ah. Bit of a flex there, but hey, they can flex like that all day long. I don't care. Well, it's, yeah, exa- it was perfect. I mean, not only is it a new series, it's a whole other realm of Avatar. So, like mm-hmm. you said, they literally just get to go. We already played with the art style. Now we're going to play with the music. We're going to play with being able to just kind of see all these scenes around this world. Like you know, they like they created another world yep. for this set of episodes. So it's really cool to be able to like just you know kind of set the stage of what they have. Yeah. And last week we talked about uh, the inspiration too in terms of the style coming from a lot of traditional uh, Japanese and East Asian uh, woodblock mm-hmm. prints. And it, we see that, oh my gosh, like it, the, the, it is you, it is exactly what we kind of see here. And uh, we just posted uh, both on Instagram and also in our Discord server as well. Uh, there is a collection um, through the Library of Congress uh, of like thousands of these woodblock prints that you can go back and peruse. And I got lost like in a hole of just like scrolling through all of them. And you get to see (laughs) like, it is like you were like looking at some of these frames from this episode from that. It's just incredible. The detail uh, that you kind of see from that era and how they were able to translate it into these kind of beginnings era of uh, episodes with everything. It's it's so beautiful. So as Juan has this beautiful moment going across the land, searching far and wide, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you see he approaches a valley where you see like a mass of spirits fleeing. Uh, One of them that passes by says that the all-powerful spirits are fighting and that they're going to destroy the whole valley. All the spirits are running. Juan goes forward. He goes to try and save the valley. And that's where he sees two spirits. Uh, first, looking like a veritable ball of yarn uh, of spirits uh, that are wrapped up in each other, tussling, fighting, and destroying everything around them, slamming into mountainsides, crushing just like the land below them. And it is a one spirit made of white light and blues and another made of this darkness and reds. And... You see, as Juan tries to appeal to them to stop, the black and red spirit appeals to Juan, saying that the spirit has been torturing him for 10,000 years. And Juan is like, what? (laughs) It's like just the unfathomable amount of time. The other spirit tries to tell him not to get involved. Um, But then you see the spirits kind of moving apart, and there's this thread between them as they're just connected. One then firebends between them and breaks their bond. And then they separate. The the light spirit says to him, dude, you have no idea how much you just screwed up. <laughs> you done goofed. <laughs> you done goofed. And we learned that uh, the spirit that is now free is Vatu, spirit of darkness and chaos. And this other one that is with him here, the blue and white spirit, is Rava, the spirit of light and peace. And Rava tells one, guess what? Your actions have just plunged the world towards total annihilation. <laughs> it was like, um, oh boy. Oops. And the last thing that we see out of this episode is Cora. And we hear her say, Rava, I found you. Oh, so things to unpackage because boy there's a lot here um so i <laughs> uh, not only guys did we get to find out that hey by the way bending came from the lion turtles like <laughs> well guess what we find out about the primordial forces of this very planet <laughs> are here in present uh and 
this idea of like suddenly we're learning the very very beginnings of this world and the forces that kind of drive it and then as you mentioned earlier you know daniel the idea of a kind heart and now we're seeing a force of chaos taking advantage of that vatu yeah. recognizing that sympathy and leveraging it to his uh benefit and then by Juan doing this setting the stakes so incredibly high so kind of want to get your guys thoughts as we unpackage this uh, well first off the going back to where we started with this segment um talking about princess mononoke the part that stood out to me about that comparison um really even more so than like the traveling montage mm-hmm. was uh when he and uh, Hola were at the river, I guess, just kind of chilling and all the spirits come running past them. And when they start heading off in the direction of the disturbance, it's, it's Hola that starts running first. Oh like, yeah. They, they have such this bond between them that no animal in their right mind would ever ever do that if there's this giant disturbance like a forest fire a storm a predator they're running away from it but hola and juan have this bond just like uh ashitaka and yakul that hola knows what's up and as soon as this starts happening he or she starts running towards it and juan hops up onto the onto their back Uh, so that little like two second segment right there was really cool for me because like it was it was so cool and spoke so much to the uh the trust that they had developed from you know the one decision that Juan made to not barbecue the little thing (laughs) now you know he he trusts him to run towards I mean god basically yeah (laughs) and uh so that was that part was really cool and then, yeah, about uh, Vatu and, and Rava, it's it's kind of Juan's transformation, I guess, coming back to, to bite him in the rear. Because, like, as viewers, I feel like it's, it's fairly obvious, like, Vatu's the bad guy, Rava's the good guy. You know, black and red, blue and white. Very um, archetypal sort of representations there but because Juan is so like open to the idea that not all spirits are bad you know he he looks past you know the appearance of them and and their obvious portrayal and makes a decision there but you guys know I like a good villain best thing ever the fact that Vatu doesn't lie to get Juan to help him is so incredible to me and such tremendous writing because he's telling the truth. Vatu has been, or I mean, Rava has been, you know, containing him and harassing him for the last 10,000 years, ever since the last uh, chance they had to like scuffle on the material plane or whatnot. And so nothing that he tells Juan is untrue. He's just presenting it carefully and Juan makes a decision based on that. So that was really cool. I greatly appreciated that little nugget. He was being tortured for 10,000 years, and the the most evil thing any true evil can do is influence others to do evil mm. for them. It, it's, it's the whole thing we had talked about with Amon. It's the power over others that makes someone evil, and Juan's kind heart got taken advantage of real hard. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and, I mean, it's appealing to... I mean, the, the very language that Juan uses... Uh, when he says, it's just like, you're a bully. Like you are, well, it, it just, it's this idea that like, he understands that like the way that the Chews were oppressing and bullying the people who, you know, he lived with mm-hmm. that, that is cutting to the core of who Juan is and like how he was raised and how he grew up. This idea that like, because other people are bullying the others, and the idea that he could do something to help 
he can't he can't just stand by he can't ignore this and i completely agree daniel that it is just such brilliant writing for vatu to recognize this to not have to lie to use this truth of the matter to be able to influence um yeah absolutely um so one thing I kind of want to uh, get the pulse on as well again, it, this idea that we're we're seeing these uh, primordial forces. What do you guys think about this idea of like, you know, it kind of escalating to this point that we go from you know the world building of the hum like humanity on the lion turtles uh, to you know the spirits, the connections there, and then suddenly massive uh you know for lack of better terms flying rugs that are <laughs> these like you know just like primordial gods essentially of this world and what you guys think about them kind of escalating to that point one getting between two, two murder raviolis is a very daring move <laughs> <laughs> i think it's cool i i love that it, it kind of harkens back to as you said all the creation myths of humanity which is that humans stuck their nose somewhere where they weren't before, and it precipitated this series of events that led to humans having some sort of power. Mm. So I thought it was a really... I actually appreciated this set of episodes more the second time around for bringing that to play than I did the first time. Mm. Um, I really liked that they were trying very honestly to build something like yes it took a lot of you know like all of avatars inspiration for many things but they had to build on something we had only you know fantasized about for over a decade um and they had to a not piss people off but b also be very honest to what they were trying to write so i i thought it was really cool being honest i thought a lot of the same thing it was very uh indicative of a lot of origin myths and things like that um Another thing that I, I appreciated was the, again, going back to the visual uh, clues and indicators that they've been using so heavily throughout the episode, um, when Juan is literally standing between light and dark, and you know as the precursor of the Avatar, he's very literally presenting neutrality and... The, the middle ground between two extreme ideas. Because, um, mm. I mean, it's cliche, but it's true. You know, light can't exist without darkness. Darkness can't exist without light. So you, you can't have one without the other, but they're each trying to kind of annihilate and contain their counterpart. But Juan was standing in the middle, again, being the bridge between the two and... and promoting peace and neutrality and understanding in the midst of conflict there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely well said. I, I again, a, a lot of just great visual storytelling, um, you know, really uh, taking the opportunity to um, use the blocking in terms of like the positioning of the characters in this. Uh, again, we mentioned earlier, one standing on the bridge between the humans and the spirits. It's again this idea that uh, he is finding himself in these positions, but it is not him putting himself there out of a sense of self-importance. It's putting himself there out of what he believes is necessity for standing up for what is right. And I think it's this great, uh, it, it is just a great representation of him discovering what it means to be the avatar and i think that as far as origin stories go for something that is so ancient and something that has been around for so long it's a great way for them to really establish this uh mythic archetype of the avatar through Wan's just actions here absolutely all right guys well that that brings us to the end of part one of our part two of part one <laughs> <laughs> um so my goodness i i mean again these episodes are just so chock full of just so many good things to talk about and next week it's gonna get even more crazy because you know here we thought like okay 
you know, th- this is the setup story. And then in part two, it's just like, okay, you thought things were crazy and you thought <laughs> things were just like one of a kind here. Well, get ready, buckle in because it's about to get even, even more nuts because then guess what guys, uh, uh, we've been off in this world in the ancient lands. Well, guess what? It's about to get uh, <laughs> real close to home for Cora and the rest of the crew uh, with what we're going to see, how this develops, and what it is going to set up, um, especially in terms of the timeline, uh, what we can anticipate for the rest of the season, um, and uh, the role of Rava. Uh, in Vatu, in the existence of the Avatar. Um, so we, we got a lot of good stuff uh, to discuss uh, kind of going into next week. But first off, thank you so much, uh, Kevin and Daniel, uh, for your contributions and your insight. It was so wonderful to get to talk to you both about this today. Yeah, for sure. Always a pleasure. Yeah, thank you, Colin. I, I love hearing the uh, you guys digging into the other aspects, you know, inspirations they bring into this because i it's probably been many 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 years since i've seen any of the miyazaki stuff mm. um so i'd love to hear that and the insights into the creations well this is a cool I, one definitely worth a rewatch because uh, i know that i after i watched these episodes again like i think like two like two years ago i think i did like another full watch through of cora <clears throat> and like going back and watching Spirited Away and Princess Mononoke, I'm just like, oh my God. Like, this is just like, it's just, you can see the inspiration so clearly. Um, it's but, almost uh, like this show's a bridge between anime and cartoons. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, all right. Well, guys, thank you so much again for the support. As always, a uh, big shout out again to the folks on our Discord. Um, guys, if you are interested in joining the conversation again, because I can't share links and stuff as easily through Instagram, or if you're not on Facebook and can't uh, see the stuff that way, uh, we, uh, basically our discord is a, uh, home for discussion, sharing really fun, cool stuff. Um, we have all kinds of different channels based on the different seasons, uh, and all kinds of different stuff ranging from, uh, again, I shared the link for that really cool Library of Congress link of all the woodblock prints. Uh, we have uh, a, uh, a recent uh, Avatar fan film uh, that was just released as well. Uh, shout out to Team Avatar Films. They just released one called The Smuggler, uh, which uh, they uh, we just uh, shared as well in the channel. I uh, love seeing content like that, but we're gonna we share all kinds of stuff ranging from. Uh, other uh, podcasts uh, that we really like listening to as well that talk about Avatar uh, to TikToks, memes, fan art, all kinds of stuff. So if you're interested in joining us in the discussion, we'd love to have you. Uh, we have a link in the show notes for you guys to uh, check out our uh, Discord and join in on the discussion. Um, if I may, I've yes. loved seeing like every week, like someone else, you know, a couple people come around with some cool insights, like you said, bringing out cool links, cool videos like that get onto this show too. Mm-hmm. So, and it's inspirations for us to talk about. So I, I've been loving it. It's kind of like having the old, as you said, the old avatar portal back, being able to talk, <laughs> being, able, being able to nerd out about this. It's been really fun. Absolutely. Yeah. It just having it in a centralized location, because I, I think that that's what's uh, it's tough. Sometimes we have so many different social media platforms and it's like, it, it just, it's all, like they, they all have their insular communities, which is great. And I think like, you know, there's you really get to see some wonderful things that kind of spring out of those. But, uh, you know, just that, that's what we're kind of hoping for with this discord community is being able to kind of have it and like, oh, wait. So what was that again that we talked about in like spirits? Oh, you can scroll back up, see what we kind of talked about there and be able to look at that or even just search uh, the discord uh, server itself to be able to look up that kind of stuff. Um so, guys, again, big shout out to the folks there. Uh, remember, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Legend of Portalcast. Find us on Twitter at Portalcast Pod. Our website is legendofportalcast.com. Um, and in case you don't want to use Discord, you want to reach out to us, you can always email us at legendofportalcast at gmail.com. And if you're listening in on iTunes, uh, be sure to drop a rating and a review. Helps more folks find us, tune in, and see what we're all about. And we appreciate the support and feedback as always. 
Um, and uh, if you're not listening there, we're on Spotify, we're on Stitcher. Um, and if there is a specific uh, type of medium you would like to see us on that we haven't heard of yet, please reach out, let us know. We'd love to be uh, kind of streaming to that part as well. Um, but for the meantime, guys, thank you again so much for the support. It's great having you guys here as always. And be sure to tune in next week as we dive farther into the beginnings. Part two, which will probably end up being part one of part two. Uh, I, I apologize for the confusion of all of this, but I legit thought of all the different ways I can name it. And this is the only way that I, I could come up with. <laughs> oh, man. All right, guys. Well, until next week, until then, let us leave.